part of Nigeria has a lot of similarities with Western part of Kenya. Mm -hmm. Food-wise, and even their names. We have similar names. Yeah. Yeah. I visited a friend, she, she was an Igbo, and her daughter was called Anyango. Mm. Yeah. I said, okay. who are you calling? I said, my daughter is called Anyango. I said, how come? I said, that's our name. <laughs> Hello, Machegi, and welcome. This is the Gone to Africa podcast, and I am and will continue to be your host, Julio. Welcome to the first interview of the podcast. This um, is one I'm very proud of. I'm very happy to have started with this. I interviewed my dad, Josh Olum. We recorded this interview, I promise you, two years ago. Actually, a little bit more than two years. Sometime in the middle of 2021. But finally, you know, all of the stars have aligned properly. We're here at the launch and the release of the podcast. And I can finally share my dad's stories of growing up in and around East Africa as the child of a um, traveling staff of East African Railways and growing up to become one of the most accomplished and well-respected and experienced players in the Kenyan tourism industry and his journeys throughout the, the country and the continent in that work and even further on to his work as a legislator in the Parliament of Kenya and to where he is now, which is just hanging out, living his best semi-retired life um, and everything in between from languages to cool experiences or I even missed out in there he played professional hockey and represented Kenya in the Montreal Olympics I believe 1976 where there was the big boycott where all the African teams were like you know what F you and um, we'll find out from his viewpoint what was going on and why they did that and yes I'm very happy to share this conversation with this very nice man so uh, sit back please enjoy also apologies in advance for a little like two minute segment there where there was a car alarm going off but other than that it was a really nice chat this is gone to africa with jules and daddy cool hello welcome thank to, you thank you to your house <laughs> oh thanks, thanks. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay, I haven't even figured out an introduction, so we're just going to go. This is my dad. Say hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. You want to introduce yourself and tell, tell everybody a bit about yourself and your life? My name is Joa Sholum, and uh, I've spent uh, most of my life working life in the hospitality industry. And besides that, I've been a legislator in the Kenyan Parliament for five years. I'm now semi-retired, but like a consultant in hospitality and agriculture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, that's another the reason why I travel so much. Probably we spend a lot of like holidays mm -hmm. in different parks around Kenya, and I've seen different parts of Kenya because of your work and everything. But like, let's take it back. So, you were born in Mombasa. So you were told. <laughs> I was born in Mombasa, but uh, I traveled with my late dad mm -hmm. all over East Africa mm -hmm. with our family. 
because he worked for East African Railways, which was, is now defunct. And being in the traffic department, he had to travel to so many other stations. So we've lived in Kampala, we've lived in Dar es Salaam, we've lived in Mombasa, we've lived in Nairobi. And so I think the traveling culture caught me from a very early age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I traveled. So you liked it? You didn't mind no, being at all. in different places? No, It was fun, it was fun. Okay. Going and meeting different people every so often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it helped in expanding our scope. Yeah. learning different cultures, even some different languages as well. Mm -hmm. And so when we started our school, yes, because of some logistics, we came back to Kenya. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad met some American priest who was starting a college, a school in the remote areas of West Pokot. Mm -hmm. And so we again started traveling into the hinterland. Yeah. Hinterland, well, yeah. West Pokot is in Western Kenya. Western Kenya, very far from where we were in Mombasa. Mm -hmm. But the beauty, scenic beauty of the place finally made us settle in a part of that area. Yeah. We live now in a place called Soy, 45 kilometers from Eldoret. But all this was because of the traveling and seeing the beautiful places and saying one day I must stay here. Mm -hmm. It's true, we went and settled there when the time came. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How was that for your parents, like moving on? Did they enjoy it? Uh, moving on to Soy? M moving to different places. Or to different places. With I guess my dad had no choice, but it was work. Ten kids. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, he had no choice. And obviously my mom tagged him up. Mm -hmm. My mom was a housewife. She had to look after him. And uh, wherever you're transferred, you're always transferred on a promotion, so obviously oh, okay. it was always good for him. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay, so we're gonna do like a like a wider timeline of your life then. So you go to primary school in West Pokot. I go to primary school in West Pokot. And then high school in Mombasa. When I finished, because my dad was now in Mombasa, we yeah. we, we moved back as a family. Mm -hmm. So I went to high school in Mombasa, and then uh, did a bit of training and started working in a tour company. Mm -hmm as a part-time staff. Mm -hmm. Pause. Is this before or after hockey? Playing professional hockey? Uh, before. I started playing hockey when I was in Form 1. Okay. By the time I was getting to Form 3, I was now in a selection of the junior team, Kenya junior team. Mm -hmm. Okay. We never, I never made it, but I went to for selections. When I finished school, I was approached by one of the major clubs, Mombasa Institute, to play for them, mm -hmm. and I picked up from there. Uh, from that time on, I kept on excelling in my hockey career, mm -hmm. and uh, became one of the members of the Coast Hockey Team, okay. which was one of the strongest in the country then. Yeah. After that, I switched clubs, and I was enrolled in a club called Baba Hockey Club, which was owned by Bamburi Cement Company. Mm -hmm. And um, sometime in 1978, I also went for Olympic trials, stage mm -hmm. one. I was knocked out, but we were like in the second tie. Mm -hmm. uh, 1978, Olympics was in Canada, Montreal. Where were the Olympic trials? 
in Nairobi. Okay. Yeah, this will be done in Nairobi. So this is now tr to try for the national team. Correct. Okay. You'd go for training camp for like two months. Oh wow. Then they make a selection out of thirty people. They take fifteen. Mm -hmm. Just like tilt your body this way a bit. Yeah. So I didn't make it on that, but we still remained our first record. Mm -hmm. The same year, our club became the champions for East Africa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 1978, the whole Africa boycotted the Olympic Games mm -hmm. because of South Africa apartheid. They were allowed to compete, so Nigeria led the whole of Africa on a walkout. Mm -hmm. So basically, South Africa was going through all kinds of sanctions and stuff. Correct. And then you arrive in Canada and you see the team is being allowed to play. Correct. Mostly white players, probably. Not mostly, all of them. All white players. Mm -hmm. So the other African teams are like... No, yeah. it can't happen. Okay. Yeah, so in solidarity with black South Africans, we the whole the whole continent walked out. Soon after that, they held a tournament for all champions in the different regions. Mm -hmm. And we were selected because we were the champions in East Africa. Okay. We were selected to go to Canada mm. to, to, to take part in that tournament. So I actually went and we played in the Olympic, Olympic grounds. Uh, besides that, then we also combined with some other tours. So we went to England, we went to Germany, I think mm -hmm. we went to Spain, mm. and then came back. Do you remember like hanging out or talking to like the other African teams in Canada? Yes. What was that like? What, what were the like impressions you got of different teams and different people? I think sports, sports is a magic. Eh? Yeah. It, combined, it connects everybody, whether you're rich, you're poor, you're black, you're white. Mm -hmm. Sports is the best form of uh, collective responsibility, I can say, mm -hmm. which I think should be actually encouraged and so you know when you meet different teams and from different countries you engage and you tend to broaden your mind because mm -hmm. everybody brings out their experience yeah and uh, that was a good thing how old were you this Canada time the first time I traveled to when we were going to Canada for this tournament mm -hmm. I was 21 that's so fun yeah, I was cool. 21. Because mm -hmm. yeah, I went for my trials from 19. Yeah. Yeah, so 21, yeah, I was already number one player. So then you come back and are you kind of like training in tourism and stuff at the same time-ish? Yes, what happened is uh, <coughs> in the process of my playing, one of my neighbors was running at a very good tour company. And I think they were overwhelmed at some point. He asked me if I wanted to earn a few shillings. Mm -hmm. But going, to, going there to do part-time job. Okay. Which I agreed and I think I did it perfectly well. What was the job? I was, uh, I started training as a um, car hire clerk. Mm -hmm. You know, people, would, I would monitor cars coming in and going out. Yeah. And collecting money of, for those cars which have been rented out. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I moved from there to bookings. I started doing reservations, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Then I had an opportunity to go to England, which, which was the head office for that company. Mm -hmm. Got a bit of training and I came back. And my ladder kept on growing, 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 growing until 2013 when I quit as a managing director of one of the largest companies in East Africa. Mm -hmm. And uh, by then I had also established a lodge, at established three lodges for them mm -hmm. because their capacity was too big. We couldn't get all the accommodation from other hotels. Couldn't place people. Yeah, so we place needed, everybody. We needed to expand anyway. Okay. Yeah, so 
that that's been a journey mm -hmm. yeah and it has been fun so tell me about that tell me about um first and let me ask you about like being a child mm. and being told okay we're going to i don't know dar es salaam or whatever can you remember like getting to a different country and your expectations and what was actually different than what you thought i think as a child there's no expectation just yeah. excitement you're told get into the car and you get into the car mm -hmm. you go <laughs> to even told that you were going <laughs> no i mean of course we know where our dad was but our mom would say look we are taking a train tomorrow when the school holidays come mm -hmm. we'll board a train yeah go to wherever my dad was and we'll we'll just get on yeah i mean life will just continue and then as you got older did you ever go back to any of those places as a teenager or in your 20s 30s yes i have gone back to uganda mm -hmm. we attended uh, as a family yeah i went a to a wedding a friend's wedding it was cute and so i got to see a bit of places mm -hmm. yeah i've gone back again twice uh just to visit friends because i have a lot of friends mm -hmm. after being in the hotel industry for so long yeah virtually i have a friend in every hotel in east africa mm -hmm. so uh, it makes my life a bit easier when i travel as well yeah because i'm always welcomed i have gone back to dar es salaam once mm -hmm. of course to mombasa numerous times yeah and now i live in Nairobi. Mm -hmm. yeah was any one of those places your favorite to live my favorite to live to be honest was Mombasa mm. but again back then though back then and now as I see it I see it as so this is already talking like 60s 70s or older? no it's 80s okay 80s. 80s yeah as I go back to Mombasa I feel sorry because of the degrading state that the place is mm. compared to when I was there but again the kind of life that was in these three areas are totally different in, yeah. in, in, in Uganda. Uh, people are absolutely very friendly mm -hmm. and more or less down to earth. Mm -hmm. If you go to Dar es Salaam and Mombasa, which is basically same thing. It's the same thing, like a, a Swahili kind of tradition. Yeah. Things are just too slow, mm -hmm. but very courteous. Yeah. Yeah. You come to Nairobi, everybody's on the move. Yeah. You don't run you are left behind so you know it's, it, that's how life is in the big cities yeah yeah that's so funny i was talking about this with somebody because um i don't know how the conversation came up but basically mm. the whole i guess understanding of the stereotype in east africa is that like kenyans are rude and obsessed with money tanzanians are super polite and very courteous mm. ugandans i feel like ugandans are talked about as like being somewhere in the middle mm. but i don't think that's all the way true i think kenyans are super nice <laughs> because i, I also I mm -hmm. th there's a perception yeah of being aggressive and then you're termed as rude mm -hmm. kenyans are very aggressive very hardworking, mm. and they go go get us mm -hmm. i think in that way they tend to push people aside and so people perceive them to be rude, but they're yeah. not rude. Kenyans are very courteous people. But they are go-getters and very robust yeah. compared to our neighbors. See, this is what I was thinking. And then when I was in Uganda, mm -hmm. I was just like out with some friends and I we met somebody. And so they asked where I was from and I said Kenya. And he is from Uganda. So I was like, oh, amazing. Kenya is so cool. Kenyans are so kind. Like the last time i was there we got a car broke down kind of near naivasha and these people stopped and helped us and everything and to me i was like isn't that normal like wouldn't ugandans do that and he said no ugandans would not do that 
like they would kind of just leave you <laughs> like, no. they'd be like oh shame <laughs> just continue i don't, think I don't know if not. that's true no i don't think so but he seemed shocked that people stopped and helped them with whatever car issue they had and another friend of ours who i guess could be objective she's from brazil mm. and had spent time in both kenya and uganda and she said yeah kenyans are a little bit more likely to help you and like maybe they'll expect money <laughs> but they'll stop and see if you need something I, I think a Kenyan will never leave you in despair. Yeah, there are a few elements where people take advantage. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously in any society, yeah. you have good and bad elements. Definitely. So some people might have had some bad experience, but mm -hmm. generally, a Kenyan will not leave you in trouble. Mm -hmm. I honestly believe so. Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting though to think about like the perceptions that people have of mm. even just their neighbors. Very true. So tell me about other African countries that you've spent time in, visited, and yeah. when. Let me tell you about, about my work, first of all. Yeah. <clears throat> As I progressed in tourism, my major part was marketing the destination, so I traveled quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, the country I visited most is United Kingdom, mm -hmm. because of our office being, the two companies I work for, mm -hmm. both had offices in England. So I went there almost twice a year, mm. for more than 20 years. Yeah. <clears throat> and that marketing took me to places like Germany, Russia, uh, Spain a bit, Belgium, and uh, a few other countries I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But then as time went by, I shifted my focus and did a lot of work in India, mm -hmm. Thailand, Hong Kong and Taiwan and South Korea. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a very big stint in Japan, but I, I never went to Japan. My, my one of my staff used to go there because he spoke Japanese. I didn't speak Japanese. Okay. Yeah. And so coming to Africa, I have visited several countries. Mm -hmm. I've visited Nigeria. I've visited, of course, Uganda, Tanzania. Mm -hmm. I've visited Zambia, I've visited uh, Zimbabwe a bit, I've visited uh, Botswana and South Africa largely. Mm -hmm. uh, I've gone to Mauritius a few times. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and all these countries that I've visited, I still believe King is the best. In terms of? <laughs> In terms of leisure. Okay. Like for, for people to visit? Yes. You think it's the best? Okay. Simply because it's one country that is so diversified mm -hmm. you'll get virtually every component of tourism yeah yeah as opposed to some countries where you go and there's only the beach considering it's not that big there's actually so much there's so much unfortunately in my opinion not much is exposed even to the local people yeah which is, is sad mm -hmm. because what we are killing ourselves on everybody knows about it mm -hmm. like the, the Masai Mara yeah. the coast I mean, anybody born today would know about it. Mm -hmm. well, there are very many parts of this country which are fantastic, but are yet to be explored. I think basically because initially communication was very poor mm -hmm. in terms of even road network accessibility. Yeah. But slowly, slowly they're opening up. The most famous one right now is Turkana, mm -hmm. which is uh, where the cradle of mankind is, uh, is actually. Yeah. 
found? Some of the oldest uh, fossils and oldest exactly, remains yeah. of ho hominoids. Yeah, hominoids. so I, I believe with time, probably we'll get a chance to open up those countries. Yeah. Because it's only for an hour from Nairobi by air. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's just like going to Mombasa. <coughs> but it's a different kind of experience. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things to do, especially in the North King. Mm -hmm. We have a fantastic desert, sand dunes. Yeah. Very similar to Dubai. The problem is nobody knows about them. People either don't know or they think it's dangerous to get there. Well, it's perceived to be dangerous. There. It's perceived to be dangerous. But then you see, that's why the government must come in. Yeah. Make it safe for everybody to travel. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about, um, let's start with Nigeria. When did you go? Uh, what was it for? I Where went to Nigeria. Go? The first time I went to Nigeria, I was part of the team that was uh, in a number of Kenya's flight. Mm -hmm when they were opening the route. Wow, when was that? Um, maybe 15 years ago, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, and being one of the biggest travel agents, I was part of the of the team that was accompanying the CEO of Kenya East mm -hmm. to go and open a new office. I went there and then after that, I went back to visit a friend. Uh, some experiences were not exactly very good, some were good. Okay, so let's talk about like what you expected and then when you got there, what was the same, what was different? No, generally, mm -hmm. not in a bad light, Nigeria has been only perceived to be a very dangerous country. Yeah. Uh, simply because of what the media puts over, I don't think that is right. Mm -hmm. uh, Lagos, I expected it to be a super, super, super city. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so this is like 2005, 2006 Yeah, at that time it wasn't. Time. Now there are a lot of things have changed. It's very, very good now. I hear, I mean, I see it on TV and all that. Yeah. At that time it was, it was chaos. chaos. Mm -hmm. In terms of like traffic or just... Traffic, traffic. even the people... In short, they didn't, they didn't welcome a foreigner. Okay. Even if you're from Africa. Mm -hmm. mm. They're too self-centered at that time. But things have changed now, I mean... Uh, and this is, you mean like, who didn't welcome foreigners? Or but what what about it in welcome foreigners? I think generally people have been very hostile to Nigeria, so they turned hostile to everybody. Oh, okay. Yeah, perception that Nigerians are crooks, Nigerians are criminals, mm -hmm. you know. Very wrong perception, but that's what the newspaper and the television shows us. Again, that is the work of uh, Western media, if I may say. 100%. Always portraying us in the wrong way. I'm not telling the one that I think, but thank God now the internet and everything is working. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the truth is coming out. Mm -hmm. Nigeria is a good country. Yeah. Mm. So that's the first time. And then when you went to visit your friend, were you in Lagos again? Yeah, I was in Lagos. We didn't have time to go up north. Mm -hmm. But I intend to go there again because I have some friends now who we are very in close contact with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can you remember being surprised by anything? you didn't expect to find about I don't know like food music what movies people were watching what people were wearing no by then movies were not that strong in Nigeria they developed their movies much after that mm. so there's nothing like movie really but I think that time what Nigeria was famous for was their dressing mm -hmm. and so obviously you arrive the first day and everybody has to wear a Nigerian dress <laughs> where did you get it you just get it in the shops. Yeah. yeah, and so I came back with several of them, which I still have. Yeah. Just that, you know, we'd, there's no place here to wear them, so <laughs> I, I hardly use them. You can wear them anytime you want. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. 
But again, there are some of them are too bulky and yeah, true. too ceremonial. For them, it's a little day attire. Yeah. Yeah. Can you remember any um, song that you were hearing a lot? In Nigeria? Mm-hmm. Not really. Not really. I think I got to know more of Nigerian music much later. Yeah. Now that it's super trendy. Yeah, Nigeria. now that it's trending everywhere. What about food? What did you think of the food? Food was good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Part of Nigeria has a lot of similarities with western part of Kenya. Mm-hmm. Food-wise, and even their names. We have similar names. Yeah. Yeah. We have similar names with the exact similar names. I started to notice, I think I think maybe it's Igbo, Igbo people who have names that kind of sound like Luo and Luya names. Because yeah. I know um, there's somebody who I follow online. Her name is, I don't know, Shelly or Shirley, and her surname is Enyang. And that yeah. almost kind of sounds like Onyango, almost. <laughs> I visited a friend of mine. I don't know if she's Igbo, but... She, she was an Igbo, and her daughter was called Anyango. Mm. Yeah. So when I went to their house for dinner, she was calling Anyango, and I thought she was calling the house girl. Only for the daughter to come out and I said, whom are you calling? I said, my daughter is called Anyango. I said, how come? She said, that's our name. <laughs> so I was a little bit surprised, actually. That's really interesting. And even their food tend to be a little bit more like the Nilot's food, Nilotic mm. food. Which we had a custom here. So food was good. Yeah. It was nothing surprising. You didn't think it was like some people say it's too spicy. If you want, I think whenever visitors they're careful. <laughs> but if you eat their actual food, you'd have to run to the hospital. <laughs> it is too spicy. So so far that's your experience of West Africa. That's has right. been Lagos. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I still have an appetite to go back, but not to Nigeria first. I want to go to Ghana. Mm. Uh, Why Ghana? And Senegal. I've, I've read so much about it and it's, it's too open kind of a country. I really want to go to Senegal. Yeah. I want to go to Senegal and I want to go to Ghana. Mm-hmm. The trouble with traveling in Africa is one. There's not, not, not good air connectivity. There are very few you options. You can't hop from one country to another easily like you do in Europe, which is very sad. Yeah. So that, you know, Africans should be able to travel. The continent is fantastic, but sometimes you're forced to go to France and then come for another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. And then I actually heard very recently that most connections from Nairobi, I think getting to Morocco, most likely you need to go via Paris. And yeah. you need to get a visa, you need to get a French transit visa. Correct. And they will send you back if you don't have it. Even Algeria, if you want to go to the North Kenya, North Africa, you have to go to Paris first. Yeah, doesn't most of the time via Paris. Uh, I know for sure you can go Nairobi, Cairo. Yes, that's easy. But the others, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's West easy. Africa. Yeah. So let's talk about Southern Africa and your. This is mostly to do with work, is when. You went yes, there, right? uh, Southern Africa. I've gone. South Africa, I've gone several times. Mm-hmm. But uh, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia. Have you been to Zimbabwe aside from the day we went to Victoria Falls? I had once. Okay. When uh, I was probably very young. Well, I was probably eight years old and my sister would have been like six. Yeah. We I, went, I, went, but I went to I went to Harare mm-hmm. and obviously visited one or two national parks mm. and came back. But when we went as a family, of course now we went to Victoria Falls. Yeah. So really we were staying in Botswana in Chobe. We were staying in Chobe, Chobe National Park. So we went for the day. Yeah. And I just distinctly remember like changing money. And in you a, could not bas- close your wallet. 
and we were so amused because we were like look at all this money oh my gosh like <laughs> i gave him 200 two or three hundred dollars and they gave me money this big <laughs> so they gave me a basket to put it in <laughs> to carry it across the across the street it's like one of my main memories and then just like how much spray from the falls we got that's oh, yeah. really what i remember that was really good what do you remember of that i think victoria falls is interesting and uh, I hope Zimbabwe comes back to their feet because mm -hmm. they have exotic places to see. Mm -hmm. The whole of that region actually, Zambia, yeah. uh, Angola. I'm really curious Oswana. about Angola. Yeah, interesting. It's really big too. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think our government must make travel easy for Africans to see other countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's very easy to go to Dubai, but it's very difficult to go to Angola. To Angola, for instance. Do you sense. think? Do you think it rests with the government? Because it seems like it's also um, the politics of aviation in general, and there not being as many options. We don't have like a budget airline that's for the whole region. The way that in Europe you'll have like EasyJet. I think the biggest problem here is um, the sky restrictions, mm. open sky restrictions. Yeah, yeah. That you can't fly wherever you want as a, as an airline. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But again, it's up to the what we call African Union mm -hmm. to come up with the ideas that can promote interstate travel. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it's getting there? Like from the time you started in tourism, um, what what kind of changes have you seen as far as other Africans coming here, Kenyans going elsewhere? Initially, Africa was woodwind by going to Europe mm -hmm. so they never bothered about the yeah. continental uh, network but as time goes by because of, of trade mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of connectivity now mm -hmm. but still not good enough mm, yeah. yeah you can visit a lot of African country now but uh, it but could be better than that than the way it is yeah definitely because mm. I think it also depends where you are so here in Nairobi we're also like at an advantage being in a in a hub yeah and it's not that hard to get to places. But if I were in, um, I don't know, like like Luanda, Angola, mm -hmm. it might be harder. There are not as many connections necessarily. Definitely. We at least have KQ, and if not that, we're not far from Addis Ababa, so we can use Ethiopian mm -hmm. um, routes. Correct, correct. Um, okay, so how about Mauritius? When did you go to Mauritius, and how was that? <sighs> Mauritius, first time I went to Mauritius was maybe 15 years ago again. Mm -hmm. One of the best beach holidays I've ever had. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I went with a, a group of travel agents mm -hmm. and I went back again twice on my own with a, with a, a colleague who was actually the consulate mm. of Mauritius to Kenya. I think Mauritius is one of the most well-developed beach holiday center I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah, very con well-controlled looked after very professional and um, yeah I think I'll go back there again I love Mauritius yeah beautiful um, what did you what were your impressions of again what were you what did you think of it before and then when you got there was I it what you expected before I went to Mauritius I'd known quite a bit about it mm -hmm. because uh, I shared the uh, Air Mauritius office in the same building where my office was okay so we know we, we exchanged a lot of a lot of literature and what have you mm -hmm. and as I went to 
world marketing so don't we always met with the same people you know we always exchange a lot yeah. of things so it was always in my mind that this place is fantastic so okay. when i went i was not surprised okay yeah i wasn't can you remember like um what people were like what they if you said you were from kenya what what was the first thing they said or question they had i think the people in mauritius are excellent very down to earth very very friendly yeah really cool always ready to help you always ready to listen to you and of course everybody thinks kenya is a giant so you know you're always favored when you go there and you say you're a kenya okay. not only in mauritius many people many places hmm. in the world actually interesting yeah so was it because sometimes not in mauritius really actually yeah mm. once or twice i would say kenya and they would immediately connect it with south africa they'd be like oh is that near south africa or is it literally <laughs> in south africa <laughs> and i'd be like no not even close yeah, no yeah. <laughs> i've had that kind of experience when i was in dubai oh okay yeah so what i did is in my presentation now i would always have take a out a map I would, always, I would blow a map of Africa, yeah. then I would narrow it down to East Africa, then I would narrow it down to Kenya, mm -hmm. that's where I come. Then I would put an arrow from here to here, it's four and a half hours by here, yeah. so they wouldn't think it's that far. Yeah. Otherwise, Africa is one country for them. Yeah, I think, people, I think people really just still don't gauge how big it is, even if it is one landmass. Yeah. So I also use maps sometimes and, when I'm And not only to, I've heard that experience, not only in uh, Dubai, even in Amer to Americans. Of course. Yeah. To no explain offense. where you come from, you need to be, you need to really have a, a, a clear map. I think also you need to start with a world map, so yeah. they can also relate like, okay. No, 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 so Africa, we are going to Africa, so you know, yeah. when you're going to Kenya, all of them are going to Africa. <laughs> so you need to tell them Africa has got 52 countries, mm -hmm. and it's this, 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 and this. So this is a particular area we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. now at 55, everybody, 55 countries. 55, yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Again, I'm going to talk about any surprises in any place that you went to. Did you ever go somewhere and be like, oh, I've been lied to. This place is actually really cool. Or it's different than what I thought. Not really. Even from childhood. I, what really surprised me most was one time I went to Prague. Mm -hmm. Right? And uh, I did not know I went to Prague. It was a surprise visit. Mm -hmm. It was a surprise tour, which was over to 10 best-selling agents. Okay. And uh, I went for dinner, and we were only told where we were going when we go to the airport because our passports had been taken away. Wow. Yeah. So when you go to the airport, obviously when you're checking, you have to fill a form. Mm -hmm. That's when I knew I was going to Netherlands, and then I'm going to... Czech Republic. Czech Republic. I had never thought of going to that part of the world, because mm -hmm. to us it was... After the Russian Soviet, disintegration, the it was dead countries. People yeah. are starving. Yeah. Everything yeah. is grey. Yeah. <laughs> everything is it's bomb, bomb, bomb. You know, everything is bombed. Yeah. Like so we landed in Sofia, if I'm not wrong. And we go to this hotel. So this is Bulgaria. Sofia is in Bulgaria. It's not Sofia. Where did we land? I can't remember. Anyway, we were in Prague. We went to this hotel. And it was one of the most expensive hotels I ever stayed in in this world. Thank God I was not paying. <laughs> I think we were paying a thousand dollars a night. Yeah. Yeah. Hectic. And it was a booking which was full almost the whole year. Wow. Yeah. Instead of seven nights, we could only get six nights. Mm -hmm. Last night we were told to get out. But this hotel is built on top of um, 
geyser. Mm. So it has a lot of water steaming from underground. Okay. It's got three different swimming pools, of all different temperatures. Mm -hmm. And uh, this water is used for medication purposes. Right, yeah. Yeah. People come there, people have got skin problems, la, la, la. So it's, it's very popular. Yeah. But it was one of the best places I've ever been to mm -hmm. that I didn't expect yeah. in my life. Other places you go because you've read, read about it and you had interest. Yeah, in you have some kind of image. This one I did not even know I was going there. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. Have you been to you've been to North Africa, right? You've talked about Egypt before. I've just have you not? I've just transited. I've not really visited uh, North Africa. I can't say I've visited North Africa okay. Um, is there anywhere else on the continent? So we've talked about Ghana and Senegal. Yeah. Is there somewhere else you're really curious about? Well, we want to go. Mm -hmm. Yes, two other places. Mm -hmm. I want to go to Zaire, mm. Kinshasa, and I also want to go to DRC. Everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, DRC. I also want to go to Angola. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about those two places intrigues you? The DRC, I think, it amazes me because of the size mm -hmm. and uh, the underdevelopment. Yeah. There are flights now Nairobi to Goma. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. But there are also flights to Kinshasa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's much easier. But if you go to Goma, to go to Kin Goma to Kinshasa is a problem, and it's within one country. I know. I mean, I think people fly anyway, but it's like, mm. I don't know if it's because it's so like such dense forest or if it's an insecurity thing. Or I think what. it's more of insecurity. Also, it's a big country. Yeah. It's too big, too big. Yeah, but Angola has got a lot of interesting things as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I think one day we want to be there. I never connected with having a lot of desert, but it does. It's between. Oh, it has serious desert. Is it between Namibia and I think no, but it's just north of Namibia, yeah. which is all desert. It's extensive to yeah. that whole region. I don't know why I never associate high. Angola with desert, but there is mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are the destinations that I really want to go to. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so I'm going to bring it back to your work in tourism here in Kenya. Yeah. One time, mm -hmm. so like I was saying, Dad worked in tourism forever and we had the opportunity to go to many different parts of the country. And one place we went to all the time as kids was Lake Nakuru National Park. Mm -hmm. And we would stay at a particular lodge there, which I believe, was it the first black-owned, first Kenyan-owned lodge or the only one? At the, at the time? More or less, yes. Okay. More or less. So, Mommy vaguely told me a story of how you fought to like send clients there as opposed to the other foreign-owned lodges. Can you talk about that story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, they say courtesy begins for begins at all, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I met these two friends a long time ago mm -hmm. who are not really hoteliers, but they became hoteliers out yeah. of experience. And so we picked up a rapport. Mm -hmm. And being uh, indigenous owners, our company decided to support them in very many ways. Yeah. And uh, they became like brothers, not really business partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So at one time, our company was extremely huge in that region. And uh, the only two lodges in this particular area. I didn't get along well with the other ones because they were too established. Mm. I thought maybe it's better to put my energies in this one. Okay. So, so what do you mean you didn't get along? Like, was it an attitude thing on their side? It was an attitude thing, yes. Okay. That we are big and you have to use us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it like, yeah. you, we don't need you, you need us type yes. of thing? Okay. And so I said, he doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. 
the problem is my friend's place was a little bit downgraded mm -hmm. and so there was always complaints because when people compare the rooms and what have you yeah people so like there's no tv in the room <laughs> no not really we don't we don't need tv in the rooms in the yeah. far, but the, the standard mm -hmm. were a bit low so i actually organized to have them renovate or build completely new part of it okay and then if i did that they would be forced to do the whole lot so mm -hmm. yeah we 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 engineered in a facility and we, we developed part of the lodge, mm -hmm. which came out very, very well. Yeah. And then the whole lodge now has been refurbished because of this one, what we did. Yeah. So we've remained friends and we think we'll be friends forever. Mm -hmm. It's still one of my favorite lodges. Yeah. Yeah. It's only unfortunate that nature has taken a toll on, on the lake. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's destroyed a lot of fauna. Yeah, so, so what's what's happened is um, the lake levels in that area. Not in that area. Lake Russia. levels in the whole of Rift Valley. Yeah, true. The whole. The whole of Rift Valley. People call it the Great Lakes region, yeah, I guess. So. Yeah. All the lakes have, have have just over flooded. Yeah. And they've been very very destructive. Yeah. People yeah. say it's just them reclaiming their natural levels. Yeah, no doubt. It's just that we never saw the other one, so you know nobody really yeah. knows what happened. But a lot of in the history farms, books, yes. A lot of parks, a lot yeah. of camps, and everything are yeah, some are submerged, and it's kind of a mess. Yeah, it's true. It's very yeah. sad. So what, um, in that process of you guys, did the lodge already exist when you met these guys? Yes, it was. It okay. Was. So it was. What happened is, uh, look at Good National Park. Used to be a farm. Used to be a cattle farm. Okay. Uh, during the colonial days, when the colonials left, of course, nobody was interested in keeping it as cattle farm, and so wildlife was introduced. Right. And so cattle disappeared. So it became a, a national park. Where was it introduced from? The animals. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, so many animals roaming around. If you have a place, you can just okay. get so a place. Put a fence around yes, wherever exactly. they end up. Yeah. Anyway, the country saw that they were going to make more money out of tourism than the, the cattle, cattle farm. So it was turned into a wildlife sanctuary, mm -hmm. which is, it did bring a lot of money yeah. until this corona came from God knows nowhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And was, was there ever like, was it, did it feel like a fight? Like trying to get clients to go there and trying to establish the lodge? Not really. Mm -hmm. You see, when you do your marketing, yeah. There's an element of trust. Mm -hmm. So if you tell somebody this is what I'm arranging for you, he yeah. believes you're giving the best. Okay. So the client will always follow you. Now, of course, you need to be factual, mm -hmm. so that you don't you don't give them what you don't, you don't give them hope of what is not valuable. Yeah. So that's not that's not professional. Mm -hmm. So if you've explained to them this is what it is, yeah, they come and accept it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And how about? Um, different parts of the country, other lodges, other sanctuaries and things like that. What's been your experience of like things owned and run and founded by previous colonial settlers versus things owned by indigenous Kenyans and kind of what people prefer and like just tell me about what you've observed over the years. I think over the years. Like do they feel welcoming to people? Do you feel like it's a sustainable thing? Let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. After independence, tourism started growing. Yeah. And I think it grew unexpectedly fast mm -hmm. uh, in the way that the new players sort of sidelined the old players. Mm -hmm. And so for the old players to survive, 
they decided to form a cocoon. Okay. Right? And they became enclosed. Yeah. You see? Which it is after today really. Definitely. Some of the places you, you find it difficult to go. No, or don't even know about them. Don't even know about them because like they don't want you to know. Charter flights from Europe. Which is sad. That's it. Yeah. Which is very sad. But they have a reason for it anyway. Mm -hmm. The other guys have arrived them, so, you know, indigenous people took over the bigger chunk. Okay. Yeah. The fact that it's now, they, they're doing it in, 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 in mass, obviously the prices go to come lower. Mm -hmm. Those people who are doing it in, in secrecy, you can call it, or in privacy, mm -hmm. are a little bit more expensive and yeah. very exclusive. Mm -hmm. Which is good, but uh, for a country, it's not good economically. Mm -hmm. No. Because the level of employment is very small, mm -hmm. even the level of taxation is very small. Yeah. Some are not even known, so you don't even get taxes out of them, which is wrong. Mm -hmm. mm. When you are big, almost everybody sees you, so you can't hide. True. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, tell me about languages and what languages you've picked up over the years and forgotten, maybe. Over the years, the only language I picked was Italian because mm -hmm. I worked for an Italian company. Okay. So obviously interacting with people, and I've been to Italy many times. Yeah, and African languages? Uh, just Kiswahili, mm -hmm. which is everybody. Yeah, but that's not like picked up. It's not picked up, that's almost automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any that you'd like to learn that you'd like the sound of? Um, I think I'll be interested to learn Zulu. Because hmm. of the way they speak, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, they always, even when they talk, it's like they're singing. Yeah, Zulu is really musical. Mm. It's really nice. It's the most amazing language from besides uh, traditional languages in Kenya. Yeah. Yeah. I think you would actually have an easy time. I had a hard time in Kosa, um, mm. which is, I think, they're similar. They're mm. very similar, but yeah. I get the impression that Kosa just has more clicks. I'm not sure if that's true. It is true. And then, mm. but I feel like my favorite South African language from my time there was actually Sesutu. Mm. I just thought it sounded really nice. And it almost sounds a little bit like Luya, which is funny. I think that's all bad, Yeah, true. Um, Wolof sounds nice. Africa one time I think it was one big village. I don't know why. Actually, we lost our track. I don't think so. I think that there are many... There are some communities that have been louder than others. Yeah. And I feel like Bantu people mm. maybe just did more migrating. I don't know. And spread around yeah, here. Yeah, it's true. Very true. Because there's still like entire other groups that are not not really related mm. so like Nilo Saharan groups and Saharan groups like Damazik and everything mm. so I feel like mine is Wolof okay. oh Ma, Masai sounds so nice mm. yeah then after tourism I went down into parliament mm -hmm. everybody asked me why did I go from corporate to public, public. Yeah. yeah during my course of hospitality management we always did some things in every area we went as a social responsibility mm -hmm. so I have built schools yeah. I have built libraries I have built hospitals mm -hmm. and so I thought now that I want to get out of tourism what can I do? So mm -hmm. I thought I would want to go and work for the people okay. so I went into politics and, and I succeeded very very well mm -hmm. but it's, it's totally a different game because when I was in, 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 in the private sector, mm -hmm. I formulated what I wanted to do. Yeah. When I went to government, I was told what to do. Okay. So it became very difficult to, to, to cope. Mm 
Because mm. this idea you want to go and implement this, but because you are getting funding There's from all government, the bureaucracy. you are told you must do this, which is sometimes not the right thing. Yeah. And so after some time, I decided not to continue after one term. But uh, I think the mark that I left where I represented mm -hmm. still haunts me because they still regard me as one of their leaders mm -hmm. and I still get phone calls every day, every day. Mm -hmm. When there's a problem, they need suggestions, they want yeah. information. So basically like I'm still in the office but not in the office. <laughs> so it's something that I think makes me happy when I solve somebody's problem. Okay. Yeah. And um, what did you find about like basically people helping themselves because I feel like we live in a society where it's like yeah there's a government but mostly we're kind of on our own so did you did you come across any like cool grassroots organizations and things like that people doing well for themselves in any way I think people are genuine yeah but the system is not genuine yeah yeah unfortunately you can't do anything without a government intervention mm -hmm. government regulates everything you must have a good program that you want to help people. Yeah. But uh, if the government feels that you are going to outshine them, mm -hmm. then obviously they'll crash you. Mm, okay. Mm. Okay. This is my one of my last questions, let me say. Yeah. Um, your constituency was in an area where there are um, a lot of slum areas, a lot of low-income areas, and there's a phenomenon of slum tours, or like shantytown tours. Did you come across any of those, and what was your opinion? Like, is there a way that anybody does it right? Should it be a thing? What did you observe or see? And what did people think of it or feel about that, who uh, live there? Let me talk about my constituency first. Yeah. I think it was the most popular constituency in the country. Popular in terms of? Simply because uh, one of the presidential aspirants had that seat before I took over. Yeah. yeah. So it was a focus the whole, in the whole country. Yeah. Yeah, so when I took over, Obviously, there was some serious expectations mm -hmm. that now there's change of hands and whatever. Mm. My constituency, being in Nairobi, is very cosmopolitan. Mm -hmm. And that I think it's the only constituency that has a varied kind of lifestyle. Yeah. From the highest yeah. to the lowest. True. Yeah. The most popular areas of current is in Langata constituency. And a part of Kibera slums is in Langata constituency. Mm -hmm. So you know how to balance these two is not very easy. Mm -hmm. Coming to the slums, a man says, very unfortunate. When I came in, we did uh, a head count of how many NGOs were running around with mm. briefcases and collecting a lot of money from overseas, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Out of them, about 70 to 80% are money mongers of course yeah they don't have to they make money out of people's calamities which is we, we try to stop it it's not very easy to stop all of them yeah. but we try to stimulate them in that now most of them who are operating are registered okay yeah we insisted it must be registered but when you talk of slum tours it's not coordinated mm -hmm. very well and uh, you can say yeah it uh, it negates negatively because I would want an organized tour where the Ministry of Tourism is also part of it, not just a hand-picked guys who walk around with you there. And, yeah. You know, in case anything happens, then it is blown out of proportion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean every country has, has this kind of things. Yeah, but in Kibera, 
the name itself sells mm-hmm. to anybody who wants to come. Yeah. Just like if you go to South Africa, you must go to Soweto mm-hmm. because of Mandela. If it was organized properly, it's a very good tour. Mm. It's, it's something that gives somebody an insight, things that you don't see in public, okay. things that you don't read. Because not everybody is poor in, in the slum. Mm-hmm. No. The people that so what, what to you would be something that was organized properly? Like what should be included and who should be doing it, running it? It should be people who are licensed by Ministry of Tourism mm-hmm. who have actually gone through some training. Mm-hmm. And it should also include uh, pro- provincial administration okay. in terms of security. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, just like you go to the park, there's a Kenya Wildlife Service who protects us. Yeah. If you go into the slum again, there should be also some sort of security so that people feel free. Mm-hmm. Not that you're at the mass of the guy you're with going around with you. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you think it could be done positively, well, definitely, and it's definitely. as far as people's dignity and stuff, it's not like a question. I don't think. I think it can be done. It can be done even for the better and betterment for the people. Okay. Because uh, when when somebody comes from America, for instance, mm-hmm. he knows he's going to this kind of a, ma- a monster of a place, mm-hmm. and then he comes and he sees everything. He said, "Wow, this is different." Mm-hmm. You know. It brings it brings joy to anybody okay. who was coming with a sad face. In the process, of course, there is uh, highs and lows. It becomes easy to help the people on the lower part. Yeah. Mm. And would you say, like, people who would live in different parts of Kibera, did you um, did you have a chance to like either talk to people or see what they what their opinions were of like their home becoming like a tourist spot now? I think most of them don't like the idea mm-hmm. simply because of the advantage that is taken of them okay yeah true because you know because of the situation they're in people come and give them a lot of hope and then disappear mm-hmm. yeah people come and write some funny stories they get a lot of funding yeah and for they themselves they disappear with the money yeah so people have not really embraced it now because mm-hmm. they know this is cash cow yeah unfortunately they've now sucked in the locals who have them do those things mm-hmm. for their own benefit yeah mm. it's very sad hmm. i don't think i know of any um I, I don't really look but i don't think i know of any tours that i feel like i would go on and, and give my money to and tell people about that are through through a slum or through um um i wouldn't really say shanty town but i guess a shanty town or yeah, I don't think that I really know of any company that I would mm. support. There's no proper organized company. Mm-hmm. Mm. There isn't. Mm. It's just ad hoc the NGOs who say, "Look, we are conducting this tour." Yeah. But they're not professional. They're not even some are not even licensed. Yeah. So if you go there and get your hands snatched, you can't do anything. Because mm. the vibe is, what, what were you doing there? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And basically, people go there at their own risk, which is. Yeah. Not the right way of touring. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There is that one backpackers, there's Kibra backpackers, like behind, behind Toy. Oh, this side? Yeah, or like at past Toy okay. market, kind of. No, I've never been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a start. Lo- I don't know who owns it. That's also the, the thing about tourism and what I have started to try to pay more attention to is who actually owns it, because even if they have Mm. local or indigenous people as the face sometimes 
yeah. it's still run by a foreign power, most likely a European or American yeah, yeah, yeah. person, mm. which I think people are starting to clue up to and, and consider more. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's a good thing. Mm. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap it up here. Is there anything that you'd like to tell young Africans or old Africans about exploring other parts of the continent and getting to know each other and traveling inside Africa or in their own countries? What have you learned over the years that you think is I think over the years the biggest takeaway? Over the years what I've learned is traveling is should be part of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, simply because it it opens up your mind. Yeah. It makes you understand the world better. As opposed to living in a cocoon. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage everybody to actually start by visiting your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Then your neighbor visits you. What do you mean your neighbor? I mean your neighboring province, your neighboring town or something. Start visiting towns. Yeah. Yeah. I think the perception of travel in our country has been mis misquoted or misplaced because if I wanted to go to Mombasa, for instance, mm-hmm. it's perceived that tourist goes to Mombasa by air. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. I can go by bus. Yeah. I can go by That's train. And I don't have to go and stay in a seven star hotel on the beach. Mm-hmm. I can stay in town, mm-hmm. take a bus, spend my day at the beach. Like everyone in Mombasa does. Yeah, if I meet you on the beach, I don't know where you're staying, but we're enjoying the same facility. Yeah. Yeah. So people's mind must be now change on how to travel and every part of this country has got a unique future mm-hmm. that it would be very easy just to take a bus and go to some place and walk around yeah because most most smaller towns you can actually walk inside them mm-hmm. yeah so I think I think people need to open up their minds about travel mm-hmm. what I probably would advise parents is to encourage them through schools mm-hmm. to do school trips mm-hmm. It calculates the idea of traveling. When a child starts traveling at that age, mm-hmm. he grows up knowing that this country is wide and you know I can go to Nyeri, I can go to Nanyuki, I can go, you know. Yeah. So school is a very important part of this travel travel scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even as we grow older, if you had a friend staying somewhere and you want to go on a holiday, it's it's very easy to go and stay with a friend in another part of the country. Yeah. And one time you can't sit with them. So you know, you always, it's always good to change scenes. Mm. Mm. That's what I would tell people. Learn to travel. But it's easier to travel through your children. What do you mean through your children? If your children, if you encourage them to travel at that age, they'll always take you somewhere at, at your older age. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But when you hide them in the house, when they grow old, there's no way they know where to take you. Yeah. yeah. Or even think about it. Exactly. Or think that it's possible. Exactly. Yeah. On that note, I'm going to go and Google some hotels in Lamu for my birthday. You're, you're invited if you'd like to come. <laughs> Yay. I'm coming. <laughs> We've both never been to Lamu. It's very embarrassing. I mean, no, I've been. I've been to Lamu. Yeah. When, when was the last time? Last time I went to Lamu was about seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. I haven't. No, I've been several times. I love Lamu. But now it's probably going to be really different from seven years ago. Yeah, now it's too developed and, you know. Before Lamu was popular. a small airstrip, then you got into the boat, you got <laughs> lost in the island. But now with the port coming up and... Oh yeah, I getting, yikes. You see, when you have such development, you lose the, the, the charm, because now, everywhere in Lamu you see lights. Before you didn't see the lights. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. so the port is a big thing. Mm-hmm. The airport is now expanded, 
So life is changing now. I think it's but it's still it's still beautiful. It's going in the direction of Stone Town Zanzibar. Yeah. But hopefully they can kind of bring it back before it gets so extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. okay. I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Hannah. Yay. Thanks. Bye.